Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! A long one. Oh, nothing Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of All Nat brought to you by OTS. I'm your host, Natalie, but most people call me Nat. And this morning, I'm recording from San Francisco. I'm out here in the Bay to see my beloved Warriors. And um, they're going to be, I'm here for the Utah Jazz game, which is tonight, but I'm going to be focusing on our game versus the Mavs. And I have the men, the geniuses beside Dallas, uh, the Mavs Outsider Podcast joining me um, to bring their takes, probably to check me on some of my Luca takes. I'm so excited to have them on today. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you, tell you a little bit about their podcast where you can find them. You guys should definitely check it out. They're really good. Um, they're, they're really, I like their personality. So I'm sure you guys will too. Um, I don't know who wants to set it off first, but fellas, I'm turning it over to you. I guess I'll, uh, go first. I am Maurice Williams, AKA Reese Williams. Everybody calls me Reese. Mind the Reese on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, I have the Mind of Reese podcast along with the Mavs Outsiders podcast. Uh, we've been doing this for about a year now. I think it'll be a year in February. Uh, it's 
been a fun ride. It has gone fast. A lot has happened in a year, but uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of it, man. I'm looking forward to this podcast, but I'll uh, I'll kick it to my co-host now. Thank you, Reeves. <laughs> All right, I'm Mike Bibbins uh, at Bibbs Corner on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, the, the Mavs Outsiders, uh, you may or may not know, neither one of us is located in Dallas, really not from Texas. Uh, Reese is in Baltimore. I'm in South Carolina. Uh, so that's one part of it. The other part of it is we're not really in the building, so we're not, we're not insiders. We don't have the inside scoops. Uh, but we try to give, you know, a balanced take. Like, of course, we're going to have some things that may seem Dallas uh, homerous. And then we're going to have some things that, that Dallas homers would never say on our podcast. So we try to bring a different perspective to to the Mavs podcasting world. Uh, I also have the Bibbs Corner podcast on the side. I do movie reviews and stuff like that. So, uh, we, you know, we're both dabbling in a little bit of, little bit of everything. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this anniversary coming up. We might have to do something special. Definitely. Um, make sure you check them out. Both bibs, as I call him, um, <laughs> and Reese are super cool. Um, yeah, we're all part of the Hoop Spaces Network. We, um, if you guys haven't been checking us out there, you should check out Hoop Spaces. But that's how I've come to know these um, two guys, and I, I, I really like them a lot. So I had to have them on. Uh, let's start with the fact that you guys are not from. Dallas, because my initial reaction is not to say, well, how are you Dallas Mavs fans, you know? Um, And certainly my reaction isn't, oh, you're a bandwagon fan. People don't seem to say that to people who, whose teams are not, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, like winning, right? But I'm not from the Bay, but the moment someone finds out I'm a Warriors fan, they're like, oh, you're a bandwagon. So um, talk to me, though, about the fact, um, I, you know, let's start with um, Bibbs. Like, you're not from Dallas. How did you become a Dallas Mavs fan? Uh, so I was a military brat. Um, I bounced around the country all, at all times. So I lived in Texas, not in Dallas specifically, but like in the like within a couple hours of, of Dallas and uh, from the ages of three to seven. And around that time was when Jason Kidd was drafted to the Mavericks and my uncle for my sixth birthday got me, or for my Christmas, the the year I turned six, got me a Jason Kidd jersey. So as a six-year-old, I was running around in a Jason Kidd jersey. And I wasn't really into the NBA yet. A couple years later, I was into the NBA. I already had this Jason Kidd jersey. Um, I was playing, I think it was NBA Live back in the day. And they had Sean Bradley, who was seven foot six, who looked crazy on a video game. Space Jam had come out, so Sean Bradley was on that, and I was like, you know what, this is my team. And I just rode with it uh, from there, pretty much. Um, I don't know, it's it's hard for me. I, I consider myself a loyal person, so once I've like grasped onto something, no matter what else is happening in my world, so like Allen Iverson became my hero a little bit after that, That's but I didn't want to switch teams. I stuck with the with the Mavericks, and it, I mean, it's been a ride since then. So you're trying to say I'm disloyal because I don't think <laughs> that. I'm just saying. Um, go ahead, Reese. <laughs> uh, coming up, I really, like, in my early ages, I didn't have a team uh, because I was aware that Baltimore didn't have a basketball team. Uh, I was really just an Allen Iverson fan. So around about 2002, 2003, uh, it was 2003 because I had the NBA Live game 
Vince Carter was on the cover. I started, that was my first basketball game. And uh, I started experimenting with teams and I would play with the Indiana Pacers and I would play with the Houston Rockets. I liked the players on the teams and then I started playing with the Mavericks and it kind of just stuck. And I was like, well, this is my team now. I hear so, you. From like 2003 until now, that's just been my team. Uh, okay. I know, I mean, the the bandwagon thing you were mentioning, I know people do that, especially when you say you're a fan of a team and they've been successful or, you know, they haven't really had any struggles. People assume you're a bandwagon fan and that's fine. People can think what they want. Yeah, I don't I don't really care, but I think yeah. it's interesting how that's only directed. No one says that to anyone else if they're like a team of like they're a fan of the Oklahoma City Thunder and don't live there. Which right, a lot right. of which a lot of people were when Katie and Russ were there, right? Right. No one said to them, Oh man, I'm bandwagon fans, you know. So um my story is similar to yours, Reese. I um I'm from New York, but I grew up in South Florida and now I'm dating myself a little bit, but there was actually a time that Florida didn't have teams. Um and I lived there when they didn't. So I mean, I was there when the heat came and the magic came, but I didn't live anywhere near Orlando. I did live in South Florida, but I didn't just be like, okay, this is my, like, you know, you kind of already like who you like. Right. Um, I didn't have a team though. I just, like you, I had a player. So like Magic Johnson was my player. That was my guy. I loved him. Um, as you can see, I have a thing for point guards. And so that was my guy for a long time. Um, and then he retired and I just kind of watched the NBA. I didn't have a team, you know, it was just like, I watched and watched um and then uh like I had like the Celtics for a little bit I still like the Celtics actually but I still never was like that's my team but I really love like the big three Celtics with Rondo like I love that squad and then like you know during that time like I used to like always like see stuff and I'm just like this dude something about him and so like I would always watch the Warriors if they came to town I would like you know, tune into the Warriors. I go to Warriors games. And then, like, you start to see Clay's development and Dre. And, I, you know, when I actually noticed it, like, one day I just started saying we. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I guess this is my team because I'm doing the we thing, you know? And I really just, like, they, they are my team. It's, like, the first time I felt like that. So it started before the championships came. I'm not going to say it was, like, in the dog days of the Warriors, but it certainly wasn't, like, I didn't, like, oh, they won a chip. Let me be a Warriors fan. It, was, it, it definitely wasn't that. Um, as long as you of, weren't a Warriors fan when they eliminated us in 2007, we're perfectly fine. Oh, I know. That was a very painful <laughs> no, no thing beef. for y'all. I remember watching that, and I was just like, wow, Dallas. It's bad wow. because, like, I can say, like, I'm going back to that year, uh, I believe the last game of the season, there was a chance that we weren't going to play y'all. And, like, whatever, whoever won or whoever lost to, like, set up that matchup, I was like, this is the only team I don't want to play. Like, I was like, we can we You can were worried win. about it. Yeah, because I knew that they were a terrible matchup for us because you had Don Nelson who basically made Dirk when he came in the league, so he knew all of his weaknesses, how to get under his skin, how to how to make things difficult for him. And that team was one of those teams where it was a bunch of like hard dudes who didn't care what their seed was. They were gonna come out and come right. at you and like you were gonna have to deal with that. And I just didn't think that that was a good matchup for us. So like as soon as the matchup was set, I was like, ah oh, crap. 
Great for Warriors fans, not so great for um, Mavs fans. But speaking of matchups, because that's like really important and people sometimes overlook that. Mm -hmm. Last year with the Clippers, um, most people who knew both teams weren't surprised that series won seven because they were like, Dallas is an awful matchup, you know, for the Clips. Like, why is that? Like, why do they match up so badly with you guys? Because that was two years in a row and it was a longer series than some people think it should have been. Uh, I remember vividly a lot of people uh, were saying, like, Clips in five and uh, the Clips are going to sweep. I went out of my way. I said Clips in six. I felt like we could get two games. But I think part of the issue is uh, even last year, it's changed this year the way J-Kid has uh, implemented defense into the team. But we weren't that great of a defensive team. And when you're going against guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, these long wings who can take you off the dribble. We've got guys who become kind of unplayable. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, regardless of how people felt about the situation, uh, was camped in the corner on offense, on defense. He wasn't really much help. Uh, Jalen Brunson uh, didn't get many minutes, a guy who is now our third best player on the team. Some right. people may say second best. I remember there was a game in the series. I can't remember which one. Do you think he's third or second best? Where do you have him right now? I, I still think he's third. KP second? KP's still second for me. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. He's still second for me. Yeah. I think it was a game less in the playoffs where he played about eight minutes or such. And it's because as good as Jalen Brunson is, and we still see it sometimes, he struggles when you put long wing defenders on him. And that's what the Clippers have, even guys like Terrence Mann. And, uh, I'm not, how many games did Marcus Morris play in that series? You remember, Bibbs? I remember he got hurt. I think he played the beginning. Even guys like Marcus Morris. It's, it, it was a bad matchup. I say we overachieved. That's why when we lost in seven, I wasn't too upset, but I was But upset. you guys think it was a bad matchup for you? Because I know, like, on the other side, Clippers feel like, well, I don't know if I don't know how Clippers fans feel, but I know people mm -hmm. who just like watch basketball and they were like, this is not a good matchup for the Clippers. Um, and I, I have seen a few Clippers people that were saying that going in. Yeah, I, at the time, I, I didn't know any Clippers fans. So I just, <laughs> I didn't see anything. Oh I think my it God. Was, it was probably, Clippers fans catching strays. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, the, uh, so the previous year when we played them, I think that they, uh, in, in the bubble, it went to six despite KP not playing the second half of the series and uh, despite KP getting ejected, I think, in game two uh, and Luca hurting his ankle as well. And so I don't think they thought it was a miss, uh, a bad matchup that first time around. But after we took them to six the first time coming into last year, they are probably like, we didn't want to see this team again because KP's healthy and we saw what Luca did to us despite everything. And during oh. the season, though, your games, didn't you guys win? Like, did you guys win the season series? I can't, but, like, the games we, were always really, like, tight. We beat them by 50, like, the first game that we played them. It was, well, Kawhi it, like, didn't play that game. I Still, like, we, <laughs> <laughs> we had some, Luca. it was some bad blood, basically, from the bubble yeah. situation. So I think that, that that probably was a factor for whatever reason. Like, you would think a team with a bunch of six, seven, six, eight guys is perfectly designed to, to deal with Luka. But for whatever reason, that just wasn't the case. Uh, Kawhi basically looked like prime Jordan out there, and we still, like, were in every game pretty much. So I, as a Clippers fan, if I'm seeing that, I, I wouldn't want to see that team again either. 
Um, and then the fact that nobody else really showed up on a consistent basis, if somebody does, then all of a sudden you're dealing with a whole different situation. So first half of the series, Tim Hardaway Jr. is actually playing basketball. It was looking kind of scary for the Clippers. But then everybody else disappeared, and that was that. So, mm. Okay. I see. So let's talk about Luca, because you guys know I've been a pretty harsh <laughs> critic of his. Um, he looks like he's rounding into form now, though, right? I mean, he's... he's... You said rounding, huh? Oh, my goodness, bitch. I wasn't trying to even go there. <laughs> when she know? said it, I said, oh, she said rounding, but I'm not But I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking <laughs> no, about that. Like, I'm I know. Up. I know. <laughs> um, I know. His um, conditioning and his shape has been a topic of, you know, all season, um, which is not which is not good. Like, you don't want your star coming in like that. I mean, we know Shaq did it. A handful of players have done it, but it's not ideal. You want, you know, your stars coming in in shape, ready to go, and they set the tone for others, right? And so it's it, that's not ideal. But he does look like um, he he's he's playing better. You know, that's that's what it appears to me. Um, is that accurate, or what what's going on with them? I would say that's accurate. Uh, I think his play has contributed a lot, both on offense and some on defense as well. Uh, his effort, at least on defense, has contributed to the success we've had over the last few games. Uh, obviously, with the best play on your team, your best the best play on your team sets the tone. So we've said it on the podcast before, in games when we're losing and Luka comes out and he just looks uninterested, the players feed off of that. And I say when Luca comes out and you know Luca wants to hoop and he's excited about the game, you see it reflecting guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. Granted, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to take the shot with five seconds off the shot clock regardless. But if he's feeling himself and he's in the game, there's a better chance of it going in because he's feeling confident. Right. So you want your best player to set that tone. Uh, and then when the play is matching up to it, uh, this is the kind of success that you get. Um, granted, Luca wasn't playing terribly. He just wasn't playing to his standards. But when we see that he's playing to his standards, this team can accomplish a lot. We've been competing with some of the top teams in the West and even beating them. So, you know. Well, I mean, it's a similar situation to us, right? Like, yeah. Steph is getting, like, a lot of flack. And I'm like, this season for him is, like, a top season for, like, Dame Lillard or, you know, like, Russell Westbrook right. in terms of, like, they're shooting. But it's him. So you're comparing him to his own standard. Um, I remember in the beginning of the season with the Mavs, I noticed like you guys, like before you started dealing with like Luca being out and stuff like that, you guys were winning some games. Your record was decent, but I remember being like, oh, I still don't know about the Mavs because like they're winning, but the wins have been like ugly. They're not like, which is kind of the way the Warriors have been winning lately, to be honest. <laughs> so, but that's how I felt. But the wins now look more decisive. The team yeah. looks better now, you know, and I, I must say, um, I'm a little surprised, mostly because I didn't believe in Jason Kidd. So, and I don't think a lot of Mavs fans did either. Like, I, and so tell me about that. How are you feeling so far now about the season and, and, and the job he's been doing so far? Yeah, so I think, so the first part with Jason Kidd is, you know, his history of domestic violence. Yes. And our organization being tied to covering up domestic violence. Like, personally, right. that was my first, like, that's the last person that we need to be hiring just from right. an optic standpoint. Second, you know, in his past in, in Brooklyn and in uh, Milwaukee, he was a pretty mediocre coach. Right. All the, like, his, his record was pretty much 500. 
and then you hear, have the behind the scenes stuff about him trying to take control in Brooklyn. Uh, you have the the Christmas Day in the pool practice, like being hard on players right. necessarily. And the so it's iPhone, like, the blue. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he was doing a lot. He was doing a lot. By the way, I feel his pain on that. If he, if, if neither one of you have iPhones, I do not like seeing all that damn grief. Okay. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. But, um, but yeah. So like, and I'm I'm a big, and this is like all sports, college, etc. I hate that that coaches get recycled. Coaches get second, third chances before a guy who's been grinding for years gets it's a, a first new chance. chance. Yeah. So like, Jamal Mosley was right there. Him, him and Luca had a very tight relationship. I wanted Jamal Mosley. The fact that he didn't even get an interview had me upset. So, like, Jason Kidd was dealing with a lot that he had to overcome for me personally, like, right off the top. Um, so then he comes in, you know, I'm like, you know what? I can't do anything about this. We hired him. Let's see what happens. And so, personally, I said I wasn't going to pass any judgment till about Christmas or so. Um, I wasn't liking some things I was seeing early in the season. But listening to him in the interviews, like one thing was people like, oh, why is Reggie Bullock only playing X, Y, Z minutes? And he was like, this is the beginning of the season. Uh, give us some time. So right. in my head, that's me, him saying, I plan to move Reggie Bullock up, but I need to see these guys that have been here for a while first before I start tinkering with lineups and stuff right. like that. So I respected that. And now I think we've gotten to a place where the team has bought into his defensive principles. Uh, he's finally got into the lineup I think he wants with Jalen Brunson starting beside Luka, uh, which keeps the ball in Luka's hands less. It, it asks less of him in the beginning of the game, so then he has more to give later on. And um, personally, I I'm, I have no complaints about Jason Kidd's moves, his, his strategies, etc., uh, except for the late game stuff, uh, which this week has been tested quite a bit. Early in the season, I felt like he was doing way too much in late game situations. Not as far as uh, he hasn't taken it as far as he did in Brooklyn with the spilling the, the drink on the court. But he was just he over and I I imagine it's which a I didn't mind that. But I, I was about to say I think that's a genius move. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. Yeah, I didn't mind that. As a coach, you that's genius. I'm sorry. Go ahead. As a as a former player. You, I feel like he wants to, and especially as a point guard, like a floor general, he feels like he wants to control things, but he has to trust his players. I feel like he's finally getting to a place where I think he trusts them a little bit. Uh, this week, specifically, like coming into the, our last pod, I was like, look, I hope we get tested. We see some late game situations because that's the only thing I don't trust him on yet. And so far this week, he he's handled it pretty much okay. I haven't had any complaints. So, uh Right now, with Coach Kidd, I, I'm not I'm not a critic. Right now, I'm 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 feeling good personally. Okay. Yeah, I feel that way too. Um, I kind of echo most of Bibbs' sentiments as far as going into the season, how we felt about Coach Kidd. Um, I was aware that some of the Mavs fans didn't want to give him a chance, and that's understandable. Me personally, I said, you know what, I don't like this hiring, but he's our coach. He's not going anywhere, so we're gonna give him a chance. Uh, I didn't give a actual timetable uh, like Bibbs did. Like he said, with Christmas, I was just like, let's see where it goes. But uh, the beginning of the season, some things I wasn't okay with, but I saw, always said, I see what he's trying to do. I see his vision. It's just not being executed yet because, for one, he's just getting used to these players. They're new. 
and still adjusting to uh, certain rotations, finding the rotation he wants, seeing what players he likes, what players fit the system he wants. Uh, early, I think it was like one of our first three games, uh, we were shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers. And fans were complaining, like, why are we shooting mid-range jumpers? These guys aren't able to do that. He had Dorian Finney-Smith putting the ball on the floor more. Now we see Dorian putting the ball on the floor with confidence, attacking the basket, and that's something I never thought I would see. This is what we always said, just give those guys a little confidence to help Luca. Exactly. Now he has that confidence. I I feel vindicated. I wish that Jason Kidd vindicated (laughs) me, but I feel vindicated because I just – I'm, sorry, I'm still not saying that you guys have the most elite talent, but I just never loved the no help narrative, as you know. I think the no help narrative comes from, yes, these guys are okay. Let me make a, let me kind of make a comparison. It may be a bad comparison. Let me know. Uh, a lot of people said LeBron didn't have help in Cleveland, and I always said his first stint in Cleveland, and I always said he did have help. He did, but. He had help for winning regular season games, but when it came to the playoffs, these weren't really guys you could rely on. So he didn't have a bad team. He had a good team. If he didn't, if he had a bad team, they wouldn't have won. The, uh, had the best record in the East, I think, two years in a row. What made them stop being guys that you could rely on in the playoffs? Uh, to be honest, I'm not completely sure. But when you got guys like Mo Williams, who are role players, who it's hard for them to really create their own shot. Uh, what do you say, heliocentric offense? Yes, offense but but that's the problem with heliocentric offenses. I'll, I'll say this: it the the lights get brighter in the playoffs, and the game plan is set every day. Everybody knows what you're trying to do, and these a lot of guys shrink. A lot of guys aren't built for that, and so you know those wide open corner threes might be feeling good in in, in, in mid January, but in May, they that that hoop gets a little smaller. These guys were not hitting shots. The same shots were there that they had in the regular season. They just There's weren't a level to that. But I think, think if you give people confidence all season and, and they're doing more and they're more involved in the offense, right? Look, this is like the, like, Steve Kerr's the extreme version of that. He's the extreme yeah. version of that, right? But that's why people think Steph has so much help. You know, like, honestly, this team hasn't changed drastically from last year, and people are talking about we're a super team. We're not. But if you and, – and, and that's why, like, people – even the old teams, they say was so deep. And I'm like, oh, yeah, was um was Barboza's, like, eight points and, and, and most states' <laughs> six points. Like, that – like, these were not players. The way that people made those teams seem, they were not super deep. But it's, it's the way that they play. And so that was always my argument. I think that's what Kid is trying to do. Right. Um, that's why That's I a coach it. thing. That's not a player thing. And that's where I say I, I, you don't, don't blame that on Luca. Blame that on roster construction and blame that on Rick Carlisle. Because I've seen Luca play in, in uh, Slovenia with Goran Dragic. And he didn't have the ball in his hands the whole time. He had it when he needed it, and he was effective, and he was fine with that. But my problem with the whole, you know, Luca's not letting these guys thrive was that, no, he was doing what he was told to do. He was doing what he was put in the position to do. Was he, though? Because, I mean, Carlisle, that's not the way he likes to play basketball. So, like, It really isn't. I never understood why would he say, like, let's play like this. 
you know. Carlisle adapts to his team. He's gonna play the way he thinks his team needs to be played. To and you think he thought that was the best way to play? Because I kind of think Luca wanted to play like that. Did you see Josh Richardson off the bounce in the playoffs? The boy was dribbling the ball off. I don't think it was all one way. I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. I do think Luca enjoyed that. I don't. And here's and here's the thing. I think Mark Cuban enjoyed it too. Mark Cuban wants to have that guy that that has all the stats and stuff like that. Um, again, I, I do think Luca liked being the guy. He likes to ham it up. He likes to play to the crowd, et cetera, and so forth. But in the playoffs, you can see his frustration as well uh, a lot of times with not being able to, like, looking for guys to, to do something or, like, dribbling and nobody's moving and stuff like that. Like You can't expect them to do that the, if you haven't been doing it all season. That's the Cavalier stuff. That's the stuff that was happening with LeBron is that Same thing. just be watching mm-hmm. them. And that's it. But I say, I don't know if you put that on the individual. as for, I think it's a team thing. KP didn't have confidence. I'll say that. KP's confidence was gone. Uh, and I do think that that was Luca's personality more than his play style because Luca's oh, um, like he's an asshole. He's an asshole. And KP's kind of soft in that mentally when it comes to that. Like, I don't think that they build, I don't think they mesh well on that level. Uh, like I can't see them arguing and KP coming out of it okay. Like I, I just don't. When you have a guy like Luca, that Michael Jordan mentality, that I'm gonna win the, no matter what, and if you are on my team or not, it's gonna be a problem if you're not doing your part. I've, I've seen KP shrink in those moments. Like I feel like he tries to be what he needs to be for Luca versus just playing his game. But MJ had to learn to empower his teammates for them to ultimately win. And that's the thing. Like, you can't just be like, I'm going to be an asshole and be a dick. And, like, (laughs) it's going to be okay. Like, I understand. I understand that this concept in sports, and particularly for men, (laughs) um, is like. Candace Parker, hold up. Candace Parker, do it too. I'm just saying, like, and look, some people are like, Natalie, you're full of shit because. I'm not like the, I've had to learn to be better with people who are, um, I don't want to use the phrasing soft because, you know, I go to therapy. I know my words now, you know, so, (laughs) but like people have different personalities and, you know, if I had to just build the people I wanted around me, then I probably would pick people who can deal with my, um, my direct nature, right? But that's not the way teams work. Sometimes you have to work with people that are not necessarily, you know, the kind of maybe personality type that you want to work with. And when you're the leader, you have to learn how to work with them. You have to empower them, right? And so that that's always been my thing. I mean, we could take it away from Luca and bring it to Steve Kerr because he gets a lot of my wrath and people think it's not fair, but it's because he has like a one-way-fits-all thing. I mean, Pop was kind of like that too. And, you know, people were coming to the aid of Pop or on his side, like when Kawhi was there and they were just like, you know, no one ever has problems with Pop. I'm like, that's because he had Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and those guys were okay with the way he coached them. Like Kawhi is not those guys. And like, everybody is different. You know, I'm not sure, I don't want to speculate, but like Jonathan Kaminga, we think like there's things that Kerr doesn't like that he does. And then he gets benched and it's like, like, fuck this bullshit. Like that's like, everyone is not going to be Steph Curry. Like everyone is not going to be like, okay, fine. I'm just going to go with the punches, you know? And like, you have to be able to adjust 
any good manager, it doesn't matter like what the job is, whether it's basketball or not, you have to be able to adjust to your personnel. Those are the best managers. Those are the best managers. And um, I don't, you know, people just have to be more accommodating. So it looks like Luca's doing better this year. It looks like KP is playing better this year. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know him well enough, but for them to really get to, you know, unless you guys get better talent, and I'm sure that's the goal and they'll always try to do that. But until you get better talent, if you're really going to maximize the squad, he has to be more, you know, amenable. Uh, KP, you mean? No, Luca. Oh, Luca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I agree with pretty much everything you said. That's kind of what I was alluding to with the LeBron Cavaliers comparison. I'm just saying, I think there's a lane in the middle where, yeah, you could have more talent, but the kind of offense you're running has a ceiling. I'm not saying it can't be successful, but when it comes to things like winning a championship, that's not, we've never seen that. Honestly, we've never Hope seen that. Doesn't work. Seeing a team win a championship like that, um, and people and will I, point to LeBron, but like the Heatles didn't play like that. You know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they'll always say like LeBron did it. I'm like, yeah, when? When did yeah. he win like that? <laughs> like when he had guys around him. <laughs> granted, they were like superstars, but he had guys around him. Obviously, you know when you got guys like Chris Bosh. Dwayne Wade, Kyrie. Uh, I don't like what they did to Kevin Love's career, but that's a story. I don't either. We're, uh, we're there on the, we're the same page. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. But uh, Chris Bosh is either, to be honest. But obviously you have to share the ball more, and that's why you bring those guys in. <laughs> that's why you bring those guys in. Uh, so, But the Rick Carlisle thing, I remember me and Bibbs said this, and I can't remember – how long ago it was it might have been last season it might have been during the offseason or playoffs uh good coaches oh we must have Uh-oh. lost this he'll be back in <laughs> <laughs> what happened <laughs> i saw he was frozen i saw he was frozen but i just kept talking i said i'm not gonna break character i'm gonna just keep going that's <laughs> all good i didn't even peep yeah i noticed i was like he not holding that face that long by himself <laughs> but um yeah, I was saying, you know, good coaches, great coaches adapt to the players they have. They don't make those players adapt to them. That's what a coach is. Uh, right. uh, you have guys like uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Okay, this guy can't do this thing. So don't try to make him do something that he hasn't had to do his entire career playing basketball. I'm not saying don't let him dribble in at all because clearly he can when he has the confidence. But – there's certain things you can't ask these guys to do. There's certain right. things you can't ask Jalen Brunson to do. There's certain things you can't ask KP to do. Like sit in the corner like LeBron made Kevin Love and Chris Bosh. You don't ask KP to do that. So uh, I think Jason Kidd, a big part of what Jason Kidd has done, is empowered him with confidence, has implemented so an offense that gets guys more involved. He's listened to them. That's one of the first things we heard in the offseason when he came. He talked to KP. KP wants to play more power forward. That's what he allows them to do. Uh, They said they talked, uh, asked what KP is comfortable with on offense, what he isn't comfortable with. And I think that has an effect on the way KP uh, has played this season. And as long as KP stays healthy, I don't see why he can't continue to play the way he's played this season, this entire team, to be honest. 
I think there's there's two parts to the welcome uh, back. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how much I missed, but not much. Not much. <laughs> I had like a I had a point I wanted to, uh, two points I wanted to make. So first was. Oh man, oh, this is the first damn. point. <laughs> I'm gonna pause it. Hold on, hold on. This usually happens to me. So this is. The, oh wait, he's right back in. Okay, okay. This I usually happens about, to me, babe. I was I about to what. pause it. No, I switched from my Wi-Fi to my wire connection, so I think that's what just happened just now because my okay. Wi-Fi was tripping. All okay. right, so the wire, the wire is going now. So anyway, <laughs> what I was gonna say is, uh, there was two things. One is that I don't. I hate the the live by the three, die by the three, mm-hmm. which is what we were doing pretty much and we're starting to do and exactly and and i think that again you said starting that's not what the warriors were and i think a lot Thank of teams you. got right. that don't confused. realize that yeah the point is that you had the threat of a three all the time with steph and play there but they were one of the top teams scoring in the paint and and these teams like even the utah jazz are doing it. it's like People you have steph can score in the paint I don't right know. like he he's got you got the threat of the three so then all of a sudden you come closing out all hard or two or three guys come flying by and now it's a wide open layup which is i see most... why i have these guys on they know their <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> and it, it annoys me so much because one nobody has steph and clay so why are y'all trying to emulate that you, if they're the best at it you're not going to beat them by trying to do what they do you have to do something different. So that's the first part. And then the second part is ignoring the fact that they're one of the top paint scoring teams as well. You have to do that. And in my opinion, inside out is the best way to play offense because uh, you, you open up the three-point shots. So so that's one thing. I hated that. So the offensive change to uh, kid letting us get more penetration, score inside, and, and not necessarily seeking threes as much. You can still see some remnants of that, which I still hate to this day. Uh, but it's slowly getting away. That's more dependable offense. If you're going for threes all the time, there's going to be nights where you're not hitting, and that's a loss for you. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to manufacture <laughs> buckets in other ways, now you got to now you can get, overcome some of those cold shooting nights. It's also then, just not enjoyable to watch. I, I personally hate it. Uh, I will I say, <laughs> while the Mavericks don't have Stephen Clay. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. might have the shooting confidence, higher shooting confidence than both of them combined. I, I, I put on the timeline, I said, if you could give the shooting confidence of Tim Hardaway Jr. to any player in the league, who would it be? The consensus was Ben Simmons, because if Ben Simmons had his shooting confidence, my goodness, and not even shooting confidence, just confidence in general. Seth Curry like, would be my choice, because he would be Steph, or maybe, he might even be better than Steph if he had that confidence. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I understand the sentiment. <laughs> Seth, Seth hesitates on so many shots; it's so annoying. But I mean, um, what was your yeah. second point? You said you had two points. Oh yeah, the second point is that when now that we're we're a primary, and I, I people have to accept this primary defensive team, like our our defense is what 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 carries us. Where are you guys ranked now? I think huh. we're number four. Last time I checked, yeah, um, three or four. Impressive. Number That's one since like December third. So, Still feels weird to say. Yeah, exactly. But when you when your def when your defense is the key to your team, again, it allows you to overcome some of those cold shooting nights. Mm-hmm. So Luca being in a slump didn't hurt us as much because our defense was what was keeping us pu- up. And so then at later in the game, now one Luca's not as tired because Jalen Brunson has been carrying the ball. Uh, other people have been empowered, as we've said, and then he has more gas. 
And then also the other team hasn't taken off on us because our defense was trash. And now uh, he so, can complete fourth quarter. Yeah, and so now some you can win those ugly games <laughs> and whatnot. So it's it's been fun. Um, I did want to make sure I said that that Luca's biggest weakness is his leadership right now. Um, yeah. That's that's where he needs to grow and evolve. That's where I wanted a veteran like a Kyle Lowry or a Dragic there to put him in his place from time to time because or he does. Rover. Yeah. Is Dragic still a thing? Like, is he gonna maybe get there for the trade or no? It's not. They're, I can't see them trading for him. They yeah. they they would take him, but only if it's a buyout situation. Um, yeah. So it is what it is there. Uh, but yeah, somebody has to be able to put him in his place on the team. Um, and I don't know if we have that player on the roster currently. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing with Luca, um, you guys know that I'm I'm sort of harder on him, and I'll acknowledge that he probably definitely doesn't deserve all of my wrath. I don't think he's blameless, but um, I definitely, you know, and we don't need to rehash that. I'm sure some. Yeah, of I heard you mentioned it on the yeah episode, episode. So yeah. if you if you listen to the Mavs Outsiders, definitely go back and also check out my episode with SJ, and you can hear more about like my thoughts on Luca. But I I really don't dislike Luca. I know that doesn't always come across. I don't. I think he's um an incredible talent. Um, he has some things that he needs to fix, you know, but I mean, obviously still having him is a great thing for the Mavs. And I definitely don't love to give credit to Jason Kidd, but he's done, you know, a, a, a better a better job. And so yeah. um, just objectively speaking, if that's clear and it's, it's evident. And so we have this matchup between the Warriors and, uh, <laughs> and uh, the Mavs coming up. You guys are trending up and we are... Not 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 the best of teams right now. We have a lot going on. Um, but Steph just hit a buzzer beater for the first time in his career, which shouldn't have been such big news, but it yeah, was. Yeah, that was shocking to hear. Like the well, because he's had a lot of game winners, and yeah. I people are conflating them. He's definitely yeah, had different. game winners, but mm-hmm. he just hasn't had a buzzer beater. He has like a like multiple shots where he's left like 0.01 to right. like just a couple of seconds on the clock and so that was his first buzzer beater but like just to see the joy and like the excitement I don't know if you guys saw it at the end how they were just celebrating yeah. they were just so elated um I'm hoping that that's like a turning point you know from this like little slump we've been in um which people have just focused on like Steph shooting slump um but it's the whole team it's not Mm -hmm. just stuff now some people may say well that's the reason you know it's kind of like what is it the chicken and the egg however that phrase goes like which one is it like which one is it um people just like oh they need dre back but like this was happening while dre was here the offense was slipping while he was here what i would say is one of the differences that's why like without dre our defense is actually good even without him but he he takes the defense from another to another level yeah. right and so the defense was still saving them when the offense was struggling and so if they're not going to play great defense and they're not doing it consistently without dre right they have moments so like in the game versus denver i don't know if you guys saw that but like they were losing and then they held denver to sec- 29 second half points and they didn't win the game but it was right there and they got back in it right so they can play like that but without dre out there they don't play defense consistently and so if they're not going to play defense consistently then you need steph not to be dame lillard or russ Westbrook, <laughs> but you need him to be <laughs> you need him to be 
staff, right? And he hasn't. I mean, um, he's out there playmaking. He's doing other things, but his shooting just isn't there. And um, it's definitely impacting the team. And and not just, I don't think just like, oh, like shooting, like, you know, guys aren't making shots, but it's also the team joy. The Warriors are known for playing with joy. When they're out there, they look happy on the court. And you haven't seen that. Like, you just haven't seen that joy. And that makes the team go. It really does. And so I'm hoping it's a turning point because it has not been enjoyable to watch. And then I got to, like, every day get on the TL and defend this light-skinned nigga. And it's getting on my nerves. Like, get your shit together because <laughs> I'm tired of having to defend you to the goofy, you know? Well, the thing is, you know, people been waiting. Steph been having a great season. People been waiting to slander Steph, okay? But like the every thing day. is, every day, <laughs> but the thing is, I think Dre not being there really hurts Steph's chances of being able to be Steph because this was something that um, I'm pretty sure you know Zach for knowledge from the Off the Glass, right? Uh, yeah, this was I don't agree he... with his takes on us, but you can go ahead. <laughs> I it love a, him, but I don't. <laughs> it was a take. It was a take he had on point guards in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Steph isn't really a traditional point guard in the sense he's looking to play make, and that's okay because he, in a sense, has Draymond to do that. So he doesn't really have to worry about uh, play making or getting others involved. Dre does that, he worries about his shooting, and when he has to get others involved, he can. Now, with Dre out, it seems like that should be uh, Steph's, pro- well, not primary focus, but one of his primary focuses. Because obviously, It is. Still, I don't yeah. even see how anyone can make a statement like Steph doesn't get others involved. That's the reason he's right. fucking running around off ball all game. It's right. stupid. <laughs> the ball should actually be in his hands some more. Not all the time. Not, not all, all the time. time. But, like, you know, like, Bibbs pointed out, like, people thought, like, oh, all we did was just shoot threes. You know, one one of the misconceptions about the Warriors is, like, no, Steph is better off ball. That's not true. The numbers don't even reflect that. He is great in isolation. He's one of the best pick-and-roll players ever. He's excellent on the ball, right? The, the, <laughs> the system and the reason they play the way they do is because if you didn't put the ball in Dre's hands, what would he do on offense? Now... Now, Dre is good. He's good enough to make those reads and do that. So that's the best way to run the offense with Dre handling. But it's not because Steph can't. It's because he would be a liability. He's not guarded. He's not, you know, so, like, the reason you see, even with Steph, with Dre out, Steph is, like, letting fucking Looney handle the ball. Like, why are you doing this? He's always trying to get people involved. Stop doing this shit. Be like Luca right now. That's what you need to fucking do. You, you know? complaining about Looney sounds the way we complain about the white power. Like, yeah, so I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you the anger that overcomes me when I see Dwight Powell put the ball on the floor and attack the basket. I just, I, I have to ask why. Like the other day, I can't remember what game it was, Dorian Finney-Smith was bringing the ball all the way up the court. With like, bro, on him. It was against the Suns. Chris, Chris Paul was, Paul was on was him. Yeah. Chris Paul was pressuring him full court, and he's bringing the ball up the court. Thank bro, you. I get it. I love you got him. this new confidence. You got this new confidence where you're putting the ball on the ground. Let's make sure you do that in the half court. 
right. not bring, not initiating offense. And see, but those are the drawbacks when you empower players, right? It's 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 <laughs> it's it's like a it's a it's 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 Look a delicate dance. It's a delicate dance because the Warriors play like that all the time, and so it like. There's times these guys are out there and Steph doesn't get the ball for like six, seven possessions. That should never fucking happen. That Unless somebody not... slide once, they start thinking they can ice skate. Right. And so, you know. Um... By the third possession, Luca might punch somebody if he doesn't. <laughs> right. And I, I might push somebody. And I wish, I wish Steph was like that. And and though, that's the, um, you know, though that's the cons of the like his personality. You know, it's it's a gift and a curse. You know, last year when we ended the season winning fifteen of twenty games, look at how Steph was playing. It was it you know, so he doesn't if Draymond was there, Draymond would not let that many possessions go without Steph getting the ball. So I think oh, no. that I think that is accurate. Uh. He's going to make sure, right? But like it, you know, I think a lot of times why we get triggered and we get so offended because the way that it's framed often, and sometimes I think it's because people really believe it, and sometimes it's disingenuous because people want to hate on Steph, but they make it seem like he needs Draymond to be like, you know, successful and elite. And we're just like, no, the fuck he doesn't, with all respect to Dre. But Dre is not going to let, like I said, seven, eight possessions go without making sure Steph is involved. And, and so he definitely is missed on the offense. He is. But I, I will always say that, like, def, to win it all, we need Dre. The Warriors are not mm -hmm. doing anything without Dre. So I am not trying to minimize Dre on any level. He's so important to what we do. But right now in the regular season, if Steph plays like Steph into his level, they can still win games. They don't. Yeah. They can they can make it without Dre, but he has to play to his level, and he hasn't been. Well, those people who are saying and that make about sure Steph. I want you guys as my witnesses on the TL when they say <laughs> that I don't ever fucking criticize Steph and I'm not ever objective. You be like, nah, nah, that is not true. And you guys are my fucking witnesses. Okay? Sorry, y'all got me. Lord forgive me. It's Sunday, but you know. <laughs> I will say those people with those Steph narratives are probably having a field day right now with Draymond out. I know. Oh the, my God! I know like, they let. Did you guys see two fly. years ago when Steph set the season? What was Draymond doing then? Huh? What What happened? Nothing. What was their record? <laughs> like, come on! What are we doing? Like, the short term memory is like the. It's like really ridiculous. I will say, as a Mavs fan, something you said earlier. I'll back you up on a statement you mentioned about the Warriors. This narrative that the Warriors now have a super team is is insane to me uh the only time the warriors ever had a super team is when so kevin was durant on the team that's it and i've said this before the matchup between the Cavs and the warriors where the uh before kd got there I always say cavaliers had a more talented team like, okay C had a more talented team too in that western conference finals when we came back 3-1 that's what just like the revisionism man. like I always tell people yeah they <laughs> won 73 and 9 but look at this team like if I put this if I didn't tell you their record and I put this team on paper you would say uh fifth seed like, exactly. come on exactly let's be honest this is why they I'm like this man is not great, credited enough <laughs> they played great basketball together yep. and that's what resulted in that record it's the same thing with the the 96 bulls outside i don't want to be disrespectful <laughs> but outside of jordan 
Rodman, Pippen, Ron Harper. Preach. Who Ron Harper was wasn't the Ron Harper he was on Cleveland anymore. So how many people can you name from that team? Preach. And Legend. I always catch people. They say, well, they had Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr was a bum. <laughs> Steve Kerr was a and bum. And this is why he wants bu- – I don't want to use the word bum. for people. I'm sorry. Like Steve Kerr no, no, wasn't – No, no, we can call him a bum. But what I'm saying, <laughs> this is why he has this, like, affinity for, like, role guys and the 14th player on the uh, bench, uh. right? Like, this is why he's like this, and it's annoying. Like, bro, like, you know – like the other day when when Steph makes that buzzer beater, he's like, "Yeah, just put the ball in your best player's hands." No shit. Why can't you do that all the fucking time? Why? I'm it's like sorry. this team. This team just plays so well together. Clay Thompson, in my opinion, is the greatest number two of all time because you can put him really? next. You can put him next to any number one player. That. I Scottie, feel like Scottie you... Pippen just sent me a DM and said, "Hold up now." First of all, I can't co-sign that. I say I love when play. I say when I say the greatest number two of all time, I mean Kobe num- just not understood. not somebody who is a number two by default. Okay, someone's whose role is a number two. No, I understand what you're saying. So, what about someone like Powell? Powell you think he's better than Powell. I think so because I think if you put Clay next, if you draft a superstar, a number one from NBA history, anybody. And you want to put a number two next to them? I'm always choosing Clay Thompson. Okay, so let me ask a question because I, I don't want to get like ridiculed and killed by Warriors fans. So let me ask you a question, <laughs> right? Um, Clay has some limitations, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is this is why I always say that like when people are just like, "Oh, you guys needed Kevin Durant," we didn't need Kevin Durant to win, but okay. like Steph. Like, I always say that, like, Clay was, like, a borderline true number two. Like, he is a number two. But what is your expectation for what, like, a number two is supposed to be? And this is what I'm saying. Because, like, step, like Clay can't create. He's not a no. shot creator. And that, that's one of the things that hurts the team, right? Like, right. When, I, when, when people talk <laughs> about the words, I'm like, think about 2016. If Clay was the player that people try to make him out to be, when Steph was hurt, it wouldn't have been an issue because Kerr could have said, okay, let me go rely on on Clay, right? Isn't that what, like, the Heat could have done with Dwayne Wade there, right? And I'm not sure that Powell's that guy either, but what, what I'm saying is that, to me, is, like, really what they wanted. It didn't have to be to Kevin Durant's level, but this is why someone like Jordan Poole is so important to our team, and you, you want to get him you know, there as quickly as possible because he's the only other shot creator on the team, right? He's right. more dynamic. He can put the ball on the floor. He can do more things. Even to an extent, Wiggs can do that a little bit more than Clay can. But Clay is such an elite, elite, you know, shooter, right? He's also a really good, um, you know, um, cutter. Like, he can do some other mm-hmm. things. He has a really good <laughs> mid-range game. So, they're, you know, they're definitely – and obviously he's a he, – he was a great defender. We're going to see if he can get back to where he was. So Clay is a great player, but there's some really important things that I think I would want in a number two that he lacks, and and that's sometimes where you can see the weaknesses with the with the Warriors, especially in the postseason. I think the shot creating is a fair uh, a fair thing to say because I've always told people I don't believe Clay can ever be a number one on a team due to that fact. But as far as a number two goes. 
he can easily take pressure off your number one and open up the offense because when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, you have to account for him everywhere he goes on the offense. Absolutely. And with that being said, he doesn't demand much on offense. He doesn't have an ego. He doesn't demand the ball in his hands. So even if you have a heliocentric type offense, it doesn't hurt his game at all. That's probably a kind of game he would thrive in. You can count on him on the other side of the uh, ball as well on defense. He was prime clay as an elite defender, like top 10, top five Definitely. defender in the league. So, Absolutely. Uh, as uh, as a number two like that, a number two next to a guy like a LeBron, maybe even a Kobe, a Shaq, defending Shaq in the paint, and you got a clay on the outside. Now, granted, nobody's going to be dumb enough to come off of Clay Thompson. But moving the ball around, someone's gonna be open. And knowing Clay off ball, Clay can get open. No, so, he can. He absolutely yeah. can. Now granted, it might be a bit of hyperbole to say the greatest number two of all time, but I genuinely feel that way. I love no, Clay. That's so Clay is great, you know. Him, Steph, and Dre, they just fit together so great, you know. Um it, it just works well. And so obviously we're hoping to see him like he's, he's still struggling a bit. He's not in mm-hmm. rhythm yet, um, which is fine. That's to be expected. I think what's of slight concern, not like alarming is that the way right now that he's trying to get back into rhythm is not within the flow of the offense. And so it, it's hurting a little bit because he's pressing some. Um, and I don't, I just don't know how long of a leash they're going to give him. I think if Dre was still here, that would be okay. But like with the team all around struggling, I just don't think that they have the room right now to, to let him go that far. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, but we obviously need Clay to get into rhythm, right? Like that's going to be needed going into the postseason. So, and like some people are like, that's the most important thing. And I agree, but I feel like it's still equally as important to make sure that Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole are engaged mm-hmm. because we need them too. Like we we do need them. You and see what so, happens when those guys aren't involved in the offense. So right. So you you need them as well. So I mean, how do you guys feel about this matchup coming up on Tuesday, which I will be in the building for live and in the new Chase. It's not Oracle, and I've been to Oracle several times. So I'm interested to see what that's gonna be like, but. How do you guys, you know, the last matchup you guys like basically busted our ass and um, it was Dirk nice. That's fine. Y'all can have that. But um, <laughs> this game, Draymond will not be there. Right. Um, I expect everyone to be playing barring. Hopefully there's no injuries or anything tonight, except maybe Andre because some things have been lingering for him, but it's not a back to back. So I would expect everyone to be playing. So knowing that, um, how do you guys feel about this matchup coming up? Um, it's kind of ironic because I feel like that win we got against y'all on Dirk Night really was the win that like changed our season around. It was like really? a, a season changing victory. And a stream we were in with one of uh, a friend of ours, Dalton, said this could be like a season changing victory. And I feel like it was because it after that game we kind of went on a different trajectory. And that's when we kind of saw, yeah, this is a real defensive team. So two months ago, I would not have been confident. But now, especially with y'all missing Draymond, uh, I'm confident. I don't think it'll be as uh, 
not I don't want to say easy, but convincing as a victory as the other game was. But uh, I am curious how we play against y'all with Luca, Jalen Brunson, KP. I'm curious how that lineup of uh, Maxi and KP in the front court is gonna fare against y'all. With Kevin now we Rudy. could put Wiggins on on Brunson. We could also put GP two on Brunson. I um, love GP two, man. <laughs> I love G. First of all, let's don't call him the mitten, people. Let's not do that. I That's, don't. He's young love, or I just call him GP two all the time. GP two, but uh, he likes yeah. young love, so I that we we do that one too. Yeah, Wiggins on Wiggins on Brunson or GP two on Brunson. It's fine. I guess in that case, you just have to pick your poison because if you put GP2 on Brunson, I'm not really sure if I'm confident in Wiggins doing much against Luka. Uh, and if you put GP2 on Luka, he's kind of too small uh, for Luka. And we saw what Luka did to Pat Bev in the post plenty of times in the playoffs. So I think that's a mismatch. But I think it's going to come down to the front court and how well KP plays. Uh, you have to take advantage of a guy like a defensive anchor like Draymond Green being out, and no offense to Kevon Looney, but I'm not really too confident in Kevon Looney down there. He's good. He's not he's good, good on like he's not good on like a Giannis. No, no, no. But um, no, nobody is. <laughs> I think right. Nobody is. But he's gonna look a lot worse, and he's also gonna look a lot worse without Dre. But he's still a really right. solid defender. I could see him. I mean, he's not gonna shut down KP, but I could see him oh, giving no, no, KP no. some issues. KP might shut himself down. Who knows? That's that's very much possible. Uh, you never know going into these games. Um, who are y'all consistently starting that power forward? Is it Kaminga? Is it Otto Porter sometimes? What? <laughs> I couldn't fucking tell you, you because her at this point in the season just said, like, yeah, that's the thing with lineups. We don't know who should be out there, really. You don't know who should be oh, out oh, there. Oh, well, we, we know so, all about that. So, so um, <laughs> like, it was supposed to be that Kaminga – Mm -hmm. who I'm loving, would um, be starting with Dre's absence. That lasted two and a half games, or is it one and a half games? He got a, this is the rumor, I don't know if it's true, but he got a, something happened that put him back in Kerr's fucking doghouse. Um, we tend to think it was because he picked up a tech off of uh, that moron on the Indiana Pacers, a Lance. So it's like, come on. Like, I don't even know if you guys saw that play, but it was so... It was so minor. Like, you know how Lance Stevens, you know, he yeah. he provokes people and he was like, and K, like KP just was like, whatever. He barely touched him. It was like such a weak tech to begin with. And then we didn't see him the second half of the game. So I really hope that's not it. But like, we were winning the first half of the game and then we lost, <laughs> right? So it's just like, I don't know. I mean, Otto Porter is obviously the best person to put out there, mm -hmm. but there's also the idea that we load manage Otto throughout the season. He doesn't play back-to-backs, and we limit his minutes because they're going to ramp up for the postseason. Post and with his injury history, um, Kerr wants to manage him. So I think part of the idea, too, and not bumping up Otto, Otto is that um, you want to keep him at the minutes he's been at and you want to keep him, you know, with that second unit. So I don't know, but my guess is it's going to be Otto or KP, hopefully. I hope to God it's not JTA. <laughs> no, I, I personally, I, I feel good about the matchup. I think it should be a good game. Uh, but the most important thing for me is, and this is, I, it's hard for me to like sit down and say, oh, this is what I think is going to happen. 
Right. But that last game, KP didn't play. Um, so I'm gonna be. It's gonna be curious to see how how we uh, integrate him into the the offense against a team like the Warriors and what he looks like on defense against a team like the Warriors. That uh, we're not gonna be able to hide him, and I, I feel like they're gonna hunt him. I, I feel like Kerr knows not to hunt Maxi Kleba, uh, unlike a lot of these other teams seem to. But uh, it's not a mismatch. Yeah, like if they if they go after KP, if they put him in uncomfortable situations, then I think that that's gonna potentially uh, be the, the key factor to the game is what he does. Well, and Jordan Poole definitely will probably try to target him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're really the only two that can anyway. <laughs> um, but, you know, Andrew, he's been pretty... It, it depends on the team, but sometimes he's pretty good with his post-ups. So... Um, if Andrew Wiggins played the Minnesota Timberwolves for 82 games a year, he'd probably be all NBA. <laughs> I mean, but he's been really good, regardless. No, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm proud of Andrew Wiggins. A lot of people, you know, even me to some extent, was saying, "Man, this guy might be a bust," and it just shows situation matters. Uh, you can't expect everybody to be a superstar out of the gate. That's not who he is. But in an offense like this, a team like this, he fits. So, I'm. Let happy me ask y'all a question because they SJ said something wild on my pod, and well, maybe it's not wild. <laughs> that sounds like SJ. Maybe it's not wild to me, but she said that KP should be an all-star. Do you guys feel like that? I feel like KP would be an all-star, like, injury replacement, but not, like, voted in. I mentioned this to Bibbs. We did it on the— uh, Do you think he should be an all-star over Andrew Wiggins? Over Andrew Wiggins? No. No, I have Wiggins over over KP. Okay. Okay. All right, you guys are a little bit more reasonable than her. I think Bibbs had Wiggins getting voted in, didn't you? I mean, the actual votes have him getting voted in, but I I didn't have him in my starting lineup. I had him no, not like, starting in the reserves, right? Yeah, I had him in the yeah. the reserve. Wait, did I have him start? No, no you I didn't, didn't have him I start. Didn't. He might there. start. You're right because of the votes. We have to yeah, see yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. with the players and um media because they can the fan votes now only fifty yeah, percent, but he has a good he has a good chance of starting. Which I I thought he would make it because of like all the different players being out. So mm-hmm. I think if like Paul George didn't go down and Anthony Davis, it would have been a little harder. Exactly. Um, but Same I. For KP. I Right, but I think with that, like, it, it opened the door. So I think he would make it regardless. I didn't think he would start. I thought he would be a reserve. So if he does, that would be pretty tremendous. I had him over Draymond. I think that's what, what Reese might have been trying to say. Did I, you? I said Wiggins would be the second guy for the Warriors over Draymond if there was only two. Yeah, Bibbs really? had Bibbs had Stephen uh, Wiggins, and I had Stephen Draymond. I mean, it should if it's only two, it should be Stephen Dre. Um there was a point that I was like, there's no way we deserve three, but we now have the second best record. I don't know that that should change things too much, but for some people it does, you right. know, um, rather than the first record. But I don't, you know, I don't see the coaches who do the yeah. reserves. I don't see them saying Wiggins over Dre. I don't, I don't, I don't think that. I don't have a problem with a team getting three all-stars based off of their record as long as like, it's like, okay, this person really deserves to go. Like, I mean, even if injury replacement, you know, like uh, somebody goes down, obviously Paul George and AD won't be there. I don't know if they'll still get voted in or if they'll purposely leave them out. But uh, I could see Wiggins getting in that way, and that way y'all will have three. Uh, 
but if someone else was to go down or even with those two, I think KP could make he he has a possibility. I'm not expecting it. An outside chance. Yeah, yeah, he has a chance. He'd be the last guy, I think, or last forward to get in type of thing. I mean, I would I would say that KP probably deserves it over someone like Brandon Ingram, who I've been hearing people say, and I'm just like Yeah. They like thirteenth in the West. Yeah, I'm like, this is just <laughs> no guys are getting to out of hand. Ingram. No, he's no been great, yeah. but like winning has to matter at some point. And exactly. I just feel like People have gone away from that. So you guys are in what what spot right now? The fifth? Fifth. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. There's a little bit of a gap between five and four. So are there is there anything else upcoming about the game? You said you think KP could be the key to it. Um, are there any other like individual matchups within the game that you guys are gonna be paying close attention to? I mean, me personally. As a fan of basketball, I'm a superstar matchup guy. I love stuff like that. So I'm also obviously going to be looking for the Steph versus Luca matchup. I, I can't mean, even be excited. I don't know what Steph I'm getting anymore. Hey, look, that's, <laughs> that's the most exciting part. No, it's <laughs> not. If I swear get, if he we... lets fucking Luca come in here and act like a fool and he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be looking for your tweets on the timeline. I promise. <laughs> Well, one thing I do not do and people don't like about me is you're never going to hear me bash Steph Curry. Like, right. even when he's fucking up, I'm just like, okay, Steph, come on. We need you to get it together. Stop deferring. Uh, Be I more aggressive. Yeah, and people don't like that about me. But, like, that's like, you know how you talk about loyalty, um, Bibbs? Like, that's me. Like, I'm loyal to the And I'm never, that's my fucking guy. Like, it's like, why? I'm not bashing my guys. None of them. Like, that's <laughs> craziness. And I'm not doing it. That's like that new era shit. I don't do that. Like but, you said the SJ, Dirk is Teflon, so we understand. Yeah, and <laughs> I and I think like I do think there is a time when a player gets to that, and they should be given that respect. You know, whether or not people think Luca has earned that, I I have said that I didn't think he had yet. But you know, when people are just like, you got to hold players accountable. What the fuck? How hold Steph Curry accountable? Like, what the <laughs> fuck does that even mean? That is such a stupid to me when people say it. I don't even know. I'm going to hold a man who's won two two MVPs and three titles accountable. Like, he yeah. saved this damn franchise. Like, he's Teflon. And by the way, so is fucking Draymond, and so is Clay, and so is Andre. Like, that's it. Those guys are Teflon. I'm not going to talk shit about them. But... I, I'll say... Steph is Teflon, but from an outsider perspective, those other guys can get some criticism from me. <laughs> First of all, Clay is the one who is Teflon. He gets no fucking criticism for everyone. Actually, from yeah, I, I and, love and, Clay and, and, it, and it shouldn't be, <laughs> but it shouldn't be the case because, like, if you really examine some of the stuff Clay does, you could be like Clay. Bro, like you never pass the ball. Yeah, that first some game of, back, he was wilding. Some of his postseasons, like. I think you guys have been in the Hoop Spaces chat, so you've seen people debating with me. But I'm like, he, like he has these big games, and so people are like, Game Six Clay. But there's a lot of variance and inconsistency with Clay in the postseason, if we're being honest. And so, but it doesn't matter. He gets no, like, no one. Yeah, his personality is so likable. Like, right yeah. within Warriors, outside no Warriors, people are like he's a killer. Clay's <laughs> so he's really truly Teflon. People don't like Dre. He's polarizing. Yeah. Some people he have said I'm the Dre of Warriors Twitter, which I'm oh like, wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> I used but... to be one of those people. I wasn't a fan of Draymond, but after a while, I was like, 
this is the kind of players I like. I like dogs. <laughs> like, I like Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes is one of my favorite players of all time on Matt the court. Matt Barnes was really good. Yeah, like really role good. players, like dogs. Draymond, after a while, I was like, I just got to respect this guy's game. I used to be one of the ones to say, oh, well, he's nothing without Stephen Clay. And I'm like, at the same time, he elevates them. He helps them. Yeah, he's, he's important to that impactful. team. So. He, Dre is our second. You know, there's always this debate about who's the second best player on the Warriors. Um, I would just say, like, with with Dre and Clay, it's like a 2A, 2B thing. You know, it, it's really hard because there's definitely a strong argument for either. But I definitely think Dre is the, the second most important player. I do. Um, and I don't, I don't really think that could be disputed because you see no. that they were still winning at a high rate this season, even with, with Clay down. I'm not sure if it would have been the same if it was Steph and Clay. I still think they would like yeah. be a good team. But, you know, just what's, what, what Dre is a top 10 walking defense all on his own. So when you already add that to a good defensive team, that's when you get, they were like at the beginning of the season playing like at, like at a historical defensive rate. So um, he's so important on the defensive end, but he's also really important to the offense and that gets lost. So um, he's, he's, he's critical and really crucial to the team. So he, we're missing him, but I'm looking forward to this matchup. I don't expect it to be like a route, like the last game. So I think, you know, I think like during the stretch while Dre's out, you're going to see some more closer games. They're going to be some more competitive. So I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a good game. Um, I'm hoping for us that that last game was like us getting back to our way. So that's, 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 (laughs) That's my hope. I imagine you guys have uh, the Mavs coming into uh, Chase and, and grabbing that game. Is that your prediction? Uh, okay. So I got to be honest here. Um, I'm not expecting us to win the game. Okay. Why not? But because honestly, the Warriors are still a good team without Dre. I know we've competed against the uh, the best teams in the West and in the East, uh, defeating the Bulls. But there's issues, well, not issues that I saw, but after that Phoenix game, oh, Jesus Christ, the Phoenix game bothered me. Yeah, it end. bothered me too because y'all were supposed to beat them. But yeah, ahead. that 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 was a winnable game. And right now, I do feel that. Phoenix is slightly better than Golden State. It's like a small gap. Those are my yeah, slightly better with us missing people. Full strength, no. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I feel after that last game, the Warriors, especially the Warriors at home, uh, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go the same. I can eerily see another Phoenix Suns type of situation where it's either a close game or we give up a lead and we blow it. And obviously I'm not wishing this to happen, but you're just basing it on like what you've seen so far with your team. Yes. I'll say, you know, usually I, I don't do my predictions until the, the current week is closed. And, and like, I like to do it off the dome on our weekly forecast at the end of our podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, but, I won't force you if you don't want to. No, no, no. For this particular circumstance, I, I, I ex- I will say that I I don't necessarily expect us to win, but I will be disappointed if we do not win. 
based on the way we play, based on where we are as a team, Phoenix Suns don't count. Like, they have our number. Like, I just don't expect to be Phoenix Suns at this point. So, like, they did what they do. Chris Paul walked us down. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but this, I saw this, some questionable decisions, though. Like, that was a winnable game. And to me, that's about your execution and closing. Like, even if they're more talented, um, yeah. I think, you know, what reset is spot on. Like, you guys just have to figure out how to close, and you're still learning. But, I mean, you guys played them well, you know. It looks like once Phoenix isn't Phoenix. unbeatable. They just they have a constant. They, they have, no, they have the continuity. <laughs> they have the continuity of playing together. So they know what to do. Um, so they look unbeatable, but they're not unbeatable. Don't talk like that. Okay. When Phoenix went on that run, it kind of looked like we gave up on like defense and the offensive end. And I was like, okay, this game is over. Like once the body language shows it, this game is over. I saw y'all tweeting and the stuff that that you were saying. That won't hurt because I wanted it. Like that's, that's the monkey on our back right now. It's the Phoenix sun. So the fact that we had lost that game and I got to wait a while before I can try to see that again. It, it, that that sucks for me. Was but that the played, first time y'all played them for the season, or the no, second? We, we lost to them twice when Luca was out. And do you play them fashion. two more times or one more time? I don't know. Do we? We might not play them again. We might not play them again. You only played them twice so far. Three, we played them three times total. We played them twice. Oh, when Luka okay. Was out and then the game. And last the thing week. is, we played them twice when Luca was out, and we almost won. Both of those games were winnable. Exactly, we lost, like, and they which is why you can't say they have your number. I won't. I won't even. I won't even let you talk about the maps like that. <laughs> even outside of this season, like historically recently, the Phoenix Suns have had our number. The Suns, fuck the Suns. We, I don't know why we just can't beat that team. It, it. We need. I need that for my soul. Like, my so soul you would not want soul. to see them in the postseason. No, not at, not at people all. talk about the Clippers like, oh, y'all don't want to see the Clippers again. I want to see the Clippers again. I don't want to <laughs> see the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix like, Suns are like, if I had to put a list of teams that I don't want to see in the playoffs, the Suns are number, Suns are number one, 100%. Okay. Gotcha. Um, not that I, again, I don't think that they have the, the talent to make me say that we can't beat them. It's not a talent thing at all. It's not a, mm-hmm. a matchup situation at all. It's just something about that they got team. That number. They, 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 we just can't get past them, so... Yeah, that's the last team I'm trying to see. Utah um, not on that list. The Warriors are also not on that list. So, in my opinion, so that's that's where I'm at with it. Um, hmm. I I mean, again, they the Warriors will probably the Warriors will probably be a team that I wouldn't want to see necessarily. But if we matched up with the Warriors, I'm not gonna say, oh, this is an L. Um, I I think that that could be a sexy series, six seven games. Is Utah on that list for you? Not right now. They they okay, like just they shouldn't. They should be, but the way that they they operate, I'm not gonna pretend that, that they aren't what they are. So just checking because I know you Don, got Don that Mitchell's, Rudy bias. Donovan Mitchell still Donovan <laughs> Mitchell, so he's still gonna shoot 40 times whether it's a good shot or not. So, all right, fellas, this has been wonderful. You guys, um, you see why I had them on? Like they're great. <laughs> No, I really enjoyed this conversation. I really did. I did. I was looking forward to this. It definitely, it was definitely fun. Yeah. Hopefully we, hopefully we can come back again someday. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, I think, um, how many more times? This is only going to be the second matchup and we're going to see you guys two more times. So we'll definitely try to get you back on, um, you know, it, before I'm a planner, so I plan kind of ahead. So <laughs> I had like had like a lot of people like set up, and then as the season unfolded, it starts to be like, oh, maybe 
this wasn't the right time to have this on or other things happen. You want to bring people back. So I definitely know I will want to have you guys back on again. I don't know when, but I definitely would um, just, you know, even if we're just talking about the postseason and like the matchups going into that. So we definitely need to make it happen. Thank you for coming on and blessing the show. Thank you for all the great insight. Um, thank you for um, exposing my listeners to some info on the Mavs that I'm sure was appreciated. I'm looking forward to this game. I always want the Warriors to win <laughs> against everyone. I don't ever want to lose. So, of course. Of course. Um, no, I really, I don't know what to expect in the matchup. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I think the Warriors edge it out, but, you know, I think it'll be a good game. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. expecting a good game. Uh, yeah. Is this going to be televised? I don't know. And I can't get up and, and check. Let me check. I don't because, think because yeah. Warriors game. Yeah. Uh I will say we actually don't play the Suns again. I just double checked that. So that's um, it for this. Okay. That sucks. Yeah, so that's that's Dang. it for us and the, the Suns. Uh looks speaking of the Suns, they're the, the ten o'clock game on ESPN on Wednesday. Uh Tuesday night. I think that is a national T V game, right? Yep, it's TNT. There we go. Okay. Ten o'clock. Yep, so it should be good. Oh, it should man. be good. Look out nationally televised TV. game. Yeah, the Mavs <laughs> losing. Oh, yeah, that, that actually made me realize it's nationally yeah, televised. Yeah, it's nationally televised. Congrats. We're losing. Congrats we don't do well under the bright lights. <laughs> well, people say the same thing about Steph, supposedly. So um, we'll see. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game. I think, generally speaking, Luca and Steph bring out the best in one another. So yeah. Um, yeah. let's see. Let's see. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for um, getting up with me so early on this Sunday morning. <laughs> and um, I will see y'all on the TL. You guys check out Mavs Outsiders Pod um, and Bibbs Corner. And Reese, I forgot yours. Mind of Reese. Mind of Reese. There you go. <laughs> I'm telling my brain, my brain. But no, seriously, <laughs> I've listened to all of their pods. Like, I've checked them out, and it's really great content. So um, I bring people on the show who no basketball but also like who put out good content because i want you know people who listen to my show to be exposed to others and i'm always about supporting black content creators so give them a try you won't you won't regret it thanks guys like thank Appreciate you. Thanks, you. thanks for having us thanks for take having care us. i Have hope a- you enjoy the game tonight too I know that I need to win while I'm here. No losing while I'm in town. Feel me? I respect it. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time, make sure you follow, follow, support, download, rate, review for any podcast. It helps us. We need it. Thank you. Um, Until next time. All right. Peace. Peace.